Well, thank you for reading. Um, <clears throat> so this morning, as Graham's mentioned, we are continuing our series as we're looking at the Lord's Prayer, a really special prayer for a lot of us. And this morning, we're particularly focusing on hallowed be your name. And so if you're a person that likes to write notes, the idea that I'll be looking through is we're going to look at God as creator and how we can praise his name because he is Lord of heaven. But then secondarily, we'll be looking at how God is father and we can praise, we can say hallowed be your name because of those two aspects. So creator and father. And so that's the way that we're going to look at it. Now, for us, as we mentioned before, we're kind of new to Robertson. Like we turned up here in Easter and we've never lived here before. I grew up in the Sutherland Shire. And so I used to watch the seasons only because uh, it would tell me what's happening at the surf, right? Um, that you'd get different swell in winter and you'd get ugly uh, wind through summer and so seasons were significant to me because I was connected to the ocean but being here in Robertson it's been really interesting like experiencing winter needing to put long pants on for winter like that was a bit of a a revelation for me Um, and then and then you know just experiencing the richness of the seasons now that spring is coming that's really special and so I don't know if you get this as well but it's quite natural to be able to look at the created beauty around us and say oh god you are amazing you know, hallowed be your name. And particularly in Robertson, um, like the bird life has been really special for us. Like we've just been hearing different songs um, and, and seeing different birds. We actually had a funny moment last week where I was talking to Madeline, my wife, uh, about how um, it'd be cool if we could extend our chicken coop. And it, the, the old chicken coop has netting over the top of it to protect it from any birds of prey. And I said, look, I've never seen any eagles or anything around here. Let's, let's make a big open one. What could happen? It'll be fine. Dead set. We came home from church last week and there was two wedge-tailed eagles sitting on our chicken coop. Like, whoa, kids, come over, check this out. Wedgies, no way. It was, it was just mental, right? This is this is Robertson. It, it is just stunning and beautiful. And so, so often as we experience this place, and for us, we've got fresh eyes as we're experiencing Robertson. It's easy for us to look at the created beauty and to say, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Psalm number eight. Uh, that's how it starts. But it's a psalm that reflects upon the created beauty of the world. And that one's been a special one for me because all my working life I've been working in the outdoors. And so that's a natural one where the guy who wrote this psalm looked at the earth and said, look, look at what you've done. You've flung stars into space. You have made babies. You've made everything beautiful. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Um, there's a, a similar one from Psalm 19 that, that begins with uh, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim his name. It seems like it's normal for God's people to look around at creation and say, God, hallowed be your name. You you are amazing. Yet at the same time as we do this, it's also normal to realise that if, God, you are big and grand and beyond everything, what am I? And if you read through Psalm 8, he, he ends up getting in the middle of it. He says, As I ponder and reflect upon this, I then question, what am I? What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. And so it's quite normal for us to praise God in his creative glory, but then realize that if you are grand and if you are in heaven and I am down here, I'm just a dot. I'm nothing. And so in light of that, what I want to do to kind of frame uh, this sermon, I guess, I want to ask the question of what right do we have to approach God? Does that make sense? If God is the creator in heaven, what gives us the right to be able to come and approach him? 
Now, uh, for some of us, we, we might have some sense of pride in us that thinks, you know, I actually do have a bit of a right to approach God. I, like, God might, might particularly value me. And when I was 18, that was kind of how I thought. Uh, I remember there was this one day where uh, the surf was absolutely enormous. Uh, and it was one of those days where it was so big that crowds of people came out to Cronulla Point to watch the, the waves just pounding. And so there would have been maybe around three or 4,000 people sitting on Cronulla Point. And my dad lived in an apartment just nearby, and so I had my surfboard there ready. Uh, and I was thinking, oh, man, I've... I've never surfed this big before. This is, this is kind of scary. Um, there's only one other guy out and about 3,000 people watching. Uh, I don't know if I should do this. And just sitting there for about, you know, like I might die. What's going to happen here? Um, and sitting there for about an hour and they thought, no, nah, I'm going to do it. And so I went home, uh, went back to Dad's place, grabbed the weddy, grabbed the board and then walked through the crowd and I felt like a king. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this. Yeah, I'm, I'm the guy that's going to go out there and risk his life on this. And, and the thought process that went through in my mind, I was a Christian then. I became a Christian in high school. I grew up in a non-Christian family and, and I thought you know what God's going to keep me alive because I'm valuable to him right <laughs> I add value to God's kingdom and so I'm, I'm going to go out there and I'm, and I'm surprised that he did keep me alive right because <laughs> I kind of deserved it um, to, to get smoked by one. I, I caught one wave then came back in with my uh, tail between my legs and that was that was the end of it it was too scary for me but sometimes we think that God should listen to me. I have a right to approach God because I add value to his kingdom. But, but that's not quite right. And in this prayer, it invites us to think about God in household terms, our Father in heaven. So not just asking, what right do I have to approach God? I think it's even better to ask, what right do I have to approach the head of the household? Does that make sense? What right do I have to be able to approach the head of this household? And there's a couple of ways that we can do it. Uh, the first way that you could have a, a right to, to be able to approach the head of the household is if you are living in the house as a paying tenant. So if you are a boarder, if you have entered into a business deal with the head of the household that is mutually beneficial. The landlord wants income, you want accommodation, and so you've, if, as long as you pay your rent and abide by the rental agreement, you have a right to be able to approach the head of the household. And do you see how that kind of relationship can sometimes be similar to the way that we might approach God? We can treat him like the guy who owns all of the good stuff and we want to enter into a business relationship with him. Something like, our, our landlord in heaven, there's a blockage in my drain. Right? We, we, we might come to him thinking that um, if I've paid my rent, if I've done good deeds, if I've been righteous, if I've turned up to church, if I've given money to, if I'm charitable, then I have a right for God's ear, for him to be able to listen to me. And so sometimes we might approach God like that. I think it's, it's almost a little bit different for Aussies as well, because sometimes we don't just say, if I've done good things, God will listen to me. We actually have more of a relaxed attitude and we say, if I haven't done bad things. Have you heard this before? Oh, God, God will accept me, God will listen to me because I haven't murdered anyone. Right? I think it's a particularly Aussie way of, of um, thinking that we have a right to approach God. Not because of the good things that we've done, because of the, but because of the lack of bad things that we haven't done. Um, and so that's, that's the business way of relating to God. And it's not ideal. And God does not want a business relationship with us. He, so what's the other way that we can approach the head of the household? 
And of course, the answer is we can approach the head of the household if we are a son or a daughter in his house. Now, who's the only person that can wake the king up at 3 a.m. to get help with going to the toilet? That's the son or the daughter, isn't it? That's the only person that has the right to enter into the king's bedroom to do that. And this, this is the way that we should be relating to God. But then as, as we think a little bit more about that, we realise that, hey, wait a second, none of us are naturally sons and daughters of God. We, we have rebelled against God and, and we've left him behind. And so this is why this morning particularly, I wanted to have the, the prodigal son story read out. This is a guy who had a familial relationship with God the Father, but he said, no, I want to treat this as a business deal. Father, you have assets that I want to spend, I want to use for my good, and so instead of treating you like a father, I'm going to stop that, and now I'm going to treat you as a landlord. I'm going to treat you as something else, but no longer a father. And so I want your stuff, but I don't want you. This is what we have done. And then he takes that, of course, and then he spends it. And what I want to do in a second is just compare the two speeches that the son decides to make and the the speech that he actually makes. Have you ever noticed that? They're only a couple of verses apart, but if you've got Luke 15 open there still, it's really interesting um, because he comes to his senses, he realises that he has destroyed the fatherly-son relationship. He had a business relationship now. And so he says, you know what? I'm going to go back to him and I'm going to say, uh, this is verse 18 I'm reading from, Luke chapter 15, verse 18. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, but make me like one of your hired men. What he's doing is he's asking for the opportunity to say, I I no longer deserve to be your son, but can I please work in your household? Can I please be a farmhand? Can I earn labour so that I can be a boarder? Can I labour so that I can earn accommodation in your house? That's what he decides to say. And then he starts walking back. His father sees him from a long way off. And only a couple of verses later, in verse 21, he does his actual speech. And have a look at it and notice what's missing. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Do you see what he dropped? As he stands in the presence of his father, realising what he's done to the relationship, he no longer has the guts to say, can I please work for you now? Can you see how inappropriate that would be? Particularly 2,000 years ago, in that context, it would be so rude to say, now that I've scorned you and rejected you, can I please earn money from you? And so he drops it, rightfully. But the father says, quick, kill the fattened calf. While he was still a long way off, he ran and he greeted him and he clothed him with family clothes, with the family ring, and invited him to a family feast. This is adoption. We are not natural sons and daughters. We have been adopted into his kingdom. And so for me, um, adoption is one of those Christian words that sends shivers down my spine. Uh, I, I love it. Um, our, fa- our family, we've got young kids. We listen to Colin Buchanan a lot. I don't know if you're familiar with the song Big Words That End in Shun. 
A few, a few of you might have heard it, a few of you guys, whatever. Anyway, Colin Buchanan goes through a few really big, helpful Christian words that end in shun and describes what they are. But a few of them, like redemption, justification, propitiation, they're really big Christian words. But a lot of these ideas talk about the way that we were in a negative state and God has taken us up to a neutral state but not beyond. And so if we think about redemption, we were slaves We had no freedom and we had a debt that we could not pay. And so God pays that debt with the blood of his son and takes us from slave to free, no longer having a debt. You see, that's negative to neutral. It's a good neutral, but it's not quite beyond much there. And then if you think about justification, if we are in the heavenly law court of God and we are declared guilty, God then declares us by the blood of his own son, not guilty. He takes us from negative to neutral. Or propitiation. This is the way that God had an anger towards those who have rejected him and it has been turned aside and put on Jesus. And so as Christians, we can say uh, we no longer receive the anger, the fury, the wrath of God. It has been put on Jesus and so now we don't have that. We've been taken from a negative state to a neutral state. That's, these are some big Christian words. Redemption, justification, Propitiation, negative to neutral. Adoption. Can you see the difference there? With adoption, we don't just get taken from negative to neutral. Now that, now that we have a peace, that we are free, that we are not guilty, that the wrath has been removed, God says, come and dine with me. Sit at my table. Enjoy the inheritance, the blessings of my firstborn son upon you. That's adoption. For me, it sends shivers down my spine in a different way. Now, all this simply means that as we consider the one who is in heaven, who is our father, we get to say, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. If we truly understand his, the adoption and his power over creation, it's easy to say, hallowed be your name. Now, I, should, I don't know if I should say it's easy. Um, we should. That, that's the idea. But sometimes we get that wrong. And sometimes it's hard to, to actually say, hallowed be your name in this context. And usually it's because we get the relationship wrong and we revert to being a tenant in God's house and not a, an adopted child. Um, one helpful little diagnostic tool to help figure out how you're going with this is to ask the question, how do you respond when God says no to your prayers? Does that make sense? How do you respond when God says no? Because if, you're, if you and I are behaving like tenants in God's house, then when we hear God say no, then we're tempted to say something entitled, like, but, but I've paid. I've, I've done the things that I've done. How, how come that you're not doing this? But if we understand that God is creator, Lord over all, and he has adopted us into his kingdom, and become our father, then when he says no, then it's our job to say, I trust you, Heavenly Father. That, that's our job. The other helpful thing about where this comes in terms of the prayer is that this line, hallowed be your name, this call to praise him as creator and father comes before we talk about um, daily bread or temptations or sins or anything like that, regardless of our situation. And we're all in different situations. God has given us enough 
to be able to praise him, knowing that he is our creator and our father. And so I guess as we kind of uh, draw close to the end, what do we, what do, we do with this? How do, how do we apply this and take it home? Um, one of the things that I really find comfort in is the very first line that Jesus says before this prayer begins, where he says, this then is how you should pray. He doesn't say this then is what you should pray. Um, uh, in, in the church records that we've got, there's no evidence of any Christian using this prayer as a recited prayer until 350 years after Jesus. And so, at least for the early church, people were using this, we think, as just a model prayer for how to pray. And now, now we seem to use it as a recited prayer. And I think there's a lot of good in that. My kids know how to pray this prayer. I love praying it at church as a recited prayer. But when Jesus taught us how to pray, he said, this then is how you should pray, not what you should pray. And so, as Graham said last week, it's flexible. We can use it as a model. And so what I'm going to do before I wrap up and and pray a final prayer is just share with you one way that I've been using this prayer. You might find it weird, and that's okay. Um, But it's a different way that I've been doing it for a few years now that I really enjoy. And so the way that I've been using this prayer is just by breathing through it. Um, I run a a weird bush school, so maybe you should expect that from me. Um, But uh, what I do is I breathe through each of the lines, and it really helps me to be present and to, and to notice and, uh, and to talk to God in a slower way. And so um, our Father gets one breath. In heaven gets one breath. Hallowed be your name gets a long exhale. And if it's not a long exhale, it's because I haven't spent enough time on our Father and in heaven. And so I go back and do it again. And I try and give a breath to each of the lines of the prayer, and that helps me to be present in it. You can do that if you want. You can just think Tom's a weirdo, and that's totally fine as well. Um, but this is a flexible prayer that you can pray um, because God, Jesus is giving us the model to do it. And so, to wrap up, God is creator. He is Lord over all. And when we realise how big he is, it is easy to say, oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. But then as we do that, we realise that you and I are a dot. What right do I have to approach the head of the household? None. Yet, because of his great love for us, he sent Jesus to take on everything so that we could be adopted into his family. And so we can say, hallowed be your name. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer and then we'll be done. Dear God, I am a dot. You live high in heaven above this creation. By your mighty arm, you gave us the stars and the moon, and by the work of your fingers, you gave us spring flowers, wedge-tailed eagles, and descending mists. As our creator and Lord, we praise you. Hallowed be your name. But Lord, in reality, I am worse than a dot. I am a rebel. I have too often taken your good things and rejected a relationship with you. Yet while I was still a long way off, You sent your son to suffer the indignity of the cross, scorning my shame that I might have a new identity, no longer a dot or a rebel, but adopted, a child of yours. And so we say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Amen.